0: Welcome to another episode of Across the Airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show some reviews, along with news and opinions of the entertainment industry. I'm Dan Schumann, your host, and with me was a guy who felt the cold chill of the dark side on both this week's episodes of Walking Dead and Star Wars Rebels, my co-host. Hey everybody, it's
1: Nico, and welcome to Across the Airways. On this week's episode, we continue our coverage of the spring 2016 TV season with our review of the season finale of Walking Dead, the two-part season finale of Star Wars Rebels, and our sitcom section including an episode of New Girl and The Big Bang.
0: But before we get all of that started, we have all sorts of Star Wars news to go with a very heavy Star Wars themed episode of our show for this week. <laughs>
1: Harrison Ford is auctioning off Han Solo's jacket. Have you ever dreamed of owning Han Solo's jacket for yourself? Well, Harrison Ford is giving fans a shot at owning his character's iconic accessory. If Only is partnering with Ford to sell the jacket he wore as Han Solo in Star Wars The Force Awakens to raise money for NYU Langone Medical Center's finding a cure for epilepsy and seizures. Ford selected that charity in part because his daughter Georgia Ford has epilepsy. If you need a reminder of what the jacket actually looks like, If Only posted an image and we include it in the chapter art, which also bears Ford's signature on the jacket. Since the auction went Live on March 21st, the bidding has reached over $34,000. But Han's jacket has a long way to go if it's going to catch up to Carrie Fisher's metal bikini from Return of the Jedi, which fetched $96,000 at auction last year. If you have the money to beat the current bid, then you can still win Han Solo's jacket. The auction will run until April 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can find the auction at the link in the ACC feed. Daisy Ridley's Star Wars audition is so insanely awesome. We all witnessed something special the day Star Wars The Force Awakens came out. No, I don't mean the return to the galaxy far far away, though that was awesome as well, but rather the arrival of Daisy Ridley onto the screen. As evidenced by the crazy amount of Rey cosplays that we all saw in the pictures of WonderCon this year, the star of J.J. Abrams' foray into George Lucas' world made a lasting impression on countless fans thanks to her tenacity, spirit, and flat-out great performance in the film, all of which was revealed, it seems, in the actress's audition for the film. In an exclusive new video from Buzzfeed. Ridley's audition gets the talk-through treatment as Abrams dissects what their Ray really needed to have and why Ridley was the one who had it. But I mean, if you watch the video, that is immediately evident. Check it out for yourself in the link in the ACC feed. New Star Wars novel featuring Ahsoka Tano announced. The Star Wars Rebel season 2 finale has aired and it brought one chapter of Ahsoka's journey to a close. The character walked away from the Jedi Order at the end of season 5 of The Clone Wars and we know little about her life in the years following her decision to carve her own path. How did she react to Order 66? How did she become Fulcrum? There are so many questions to ponder and we're about to get some answers about what happened during that time in what many people call the Ahsoka Tano Lost Years in this new novel by E.K. Johnston from Disney Lucas film Press. Acclaimed author and Star Wars fan E.K. Johnston has been tapped to pen the novel to bring Ahsoka's untold story to legions of fans who demanded it. Quote, writing for Ahsoka is tremendously exciting. She has a blank spot in her story that I know a lot of fans including myself want to see filled in and being able to tell her story is a dream come true. More details will be released in the coming months and this book will be released on October 11th, 2016. Star Wars Rebels Season 3 Connections to A New Hope and Rogue One. The Season 2 finale of Star Wars Rebels has come and gone and now it's time to start thinking about Season 3. Rebels is currently only 3 years away from the events in A New Hope and since the second season showed more of the rebellion in progress, it's logical to think we'll keep moving forward and see the development of the Alliance. The animated series is inching towards shared space on the timeline with Rogue One and it's going to steer into that. In the latest Rebels Recon, StarWars.com's Rebels After Show, series executive producers Dave Filoni and Lucasfilm Story Group Creative executive Executive Pablo Hidalgo touched on the possibilities over the course of the next season. We're going to see, we're going to start seeing more and more recognizable elements. We're going to see more of the rebellion that we recognize in Episode Four and in Rogue One taking shape in Rebels. This could mean seeing characters from the live-action side in Rebels. Maybe Rogue One characters will be mentioned. Maybe we'll see the beginning of their mission. Even Rogue One writer Gary Witta has worked on at least one episode of Rebels so far. So yeah, maybe. For more theories and comments from the producers, follow link to the ACC feed. Mythbusters destroyed all evidence of an easy-to-make explosive. Mythbusters will always be remembered as one of the greatest television programs dedicated to promoting science to the masses, but it turns out the show was also dedicated to making sure its work couldn't be exploited for nefarious and deadly purposes, which is why everyone involved in one experiment erased any proof of their lethal discovery. At the first ever Silicon Valley Comic Con this month, Adam Savage was asked by a fan about the biggest behind-the-scenes disaster the show ever had. After laughing about how specific he should be, Savage didn't share some lighthearted tale about an argument or fight the cast had, but instead told the frightening story about how Carrie Grant and Tori were investigating an easily available material and its supposed explosive properties. According to Savage, what they found out was so explosive that they actually destroyed the footage of what they made, and everyone involved agreed never to discuss it again. It was so dangerous that when DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency recently asked the public to help their research by designing homemade bombs that might pose an unknown risk. Savage contacted them with the information he had from this particular experiment, though he did point out that they probably already knew this as many bomb techs were already aware of it. It's obvious why everyone on the show wouldn't publicize a highly dangerous and readily available explosive but destroying the tapes assured that it could never accidentally pop up online to make its way around the darker side of the internet. It also just shows how morally and scientifically responsible the real Mythbusters actually are. Science Channel to resurrect Mythbusters with new reality show. In absolute terrible news, Mythbusters might be returning with new hosts that have to win a reality show first to be the hosts. Just a few weeks ago, the greatest science show of a generation, Discovery Channel's Mythbusters, aired its final episode. The blueprints were all packed away and the show's 200 plus episodes moved to the Science Channel. Now as reported exclusively by The Hollywood Reporter, the Science Channel is set to get Mythbusters back on the air with all new hosts and all new myths. But the next generation of Mythbusters are going to have to prove their worth in a reality Show first. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the reality show titled Search for the Next Mythbusters will be 15 contestants competing to solve science based challenges, some classic myths, and some new conundrums. Episodes will have a heavy stunt and social media focus. Each week, a contestant will be eliminated by a panel of judges, each of whom will have a connection to the original Mythbusters. This sounds absolutely horrible and a travesty to the great show that was Mythbusters, and I won't be any part of it. Deadpool now highest-grossing R-rated film ever. That's right, the little foul-mouthed engine that could. Deadpool is now the highest-grossing R-rated film of all time, despite a relative slim production budget and a February release date. So far, according to Box Office Mojo, the film has grossed a whopping worldwide total of nearly 746 million, which is enough to supplant the previous chart topper, The Matrix Reloaded, which came in at a grand total of 742.1 million. Domestically, Deadpool is only number three, however, with 349.5 million. But considering the film is still going strong. In theaters there's an excellent chance it can topple both American Sniper which is number two with 350.1 million and the passion of the Christ which is number one with 370.8 million while this is obviously stellar news for director Tim Miller and star Ryan Reynolds as well as everyone else involved with the film a sequel is already in the works which means audiences have done their job of convincing Hollywood that this is the type of movie that should be gracing silver screens but remember the dead fool was successful not only because it delivered R-rated raunch but also took risks challenged the establishment and chiefly was faithful to the source material I just hope hope the studio does not get involved in the sequel and screw it up remember it worked because the studio stayed out of the production and that needs to happen with the sequel
0: and that's the news with Eco for this week all right so with all that exciting star wars news out of the way we're going to dive right into talking about an episode that was gay doozy and made all of our jaws hit the floor the walking dead season six season finale that just was insane entitled last day on earth
1: In the sixth season finale, Rick and the group must go outside the wall to save one of their own, but what they experience on the road will change their lives forever.
0: All right, and for this week on Walking Dead, the character killed by Negan gives the camera. Yes, that's pretty crazy, but Negan did kill a major character, but we just don't know who because we saw the person get killed from their point of view. So, then, for those of you freaked out about being spoiled because you couldn't watch the show on Sunday night, there was nothing to worry about. So, that's awesome for you. But I think there's a part of us, call that's just kind of pissed that we can't get the dramatic experience of losing a character we love over with. And I really hope Arrow, another show with a major character set to die, doesn't pull the same stunt on us because I'm going to be ticked there too. Especially with that, we kind of need to know what's going to happen to evolve, to resolve some of their issues. But that's for the DC Nation podcast. For now, Nico, do you think the writer's pulled okay Brilliant But Dirty Trick? kind us by wanting to reveal the major character that was killed until next season? Yeah, absolutely.
1: This is a, a brilliant but dirty trick as you said. My dad and I were watching the show together and he basically said right before it happened, he's like oh, they're not going to tell us. And then we saw it happen the way it happened and he was like, oh, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. And, you know, I mean, it's brilliant because it makes us want to come back you know it's going to make us want to be there on premiere night watching this show to find out exactly who, who yep. it was yeah so it, it's a brilliant move
0: the ratings are going to go through the roof oh yeah
1: oh yeah this is a
0: brilliant move this is like the modern day version of who shot jr on dallas yep who, who did he could kill that's the question we're going to be answering you know the marketing and the hype for this is going to be insane they're, they're going to make Chris Hardwick go to town with the advertising and everything for this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and really, you can't blame them for doing this. It, it's, it's the best way for the show to continue to be as successful as it has been.
0: Exactly, exactly. Get there's, I mean, a lot of good stuff coming, which is awesome. Again, really, I mean, what filtered the excitement of what's coming next was just the build-up to the first appearance of Negan. I mean, it's really been brilliantly done because I think we've talked about all season with some great figurehead characters working to the shadow on the great goal White Dwight and the woman that took Maggie and Carol hostage which was that was a great performance and then this guy this kind of skinny really kind of jerkwad guy got the roadblocks he was just another brilliant example giving us that foreboding feeling something bad was going to happen especially with that talking had with Rick about that last day on God Earth that was we knew something bad was going to go down and after hearing that it's like oh man what's going to happen and we really saw the situation where the group's morality began to diminish guys the saviors lack them from getting to the hilltop people got every turn got Eugene of all people got shockingly got got I mean he goes the strategist here got normally on this show we've seen that strategy got his part pay off got leaps and bounds got even his idea got self-sacrifice which was really the last ditch effort he had going up in smoke I mean that was crazy I mean you just really could feel the life being sucked out of the group Got with Rick's face the way Andrew Lee could play that he thought he was a dead man he really believed he's dead so Nico take this idea of the sabers setting up roadblocks because they're a brilliant way of the writers conveying a loss of morality for the group. I mean, is this near-death experience really going to affect these people?
1: I don't know if it was the loss of morality so much for the group as more of like a loss of hope, if that makes sense. It It was slowly taking the group's hope of success away and then taking their... Confidence away, their ability to, you know, up until this episode, Rick basically thought they could take anything on. He even said it in this episode that they could right. survive and and beat any anyone and could pretty much win against any group. Well, as this episode went on and the Saviors had a roadblock at every turn and were outstepping and outpacing and outmaneuvering them in every at every moment in this episode, you, you started to feel that maybe some of that confidence, maybe some of that hope that they could get through started to wane and started to diminish so that's more what I felt than a loss of morality. Yeah, I think maybe in the long run, we're going to see that Rick and the group are going to have to do some stuff that is pretty terrible to take down these saviors. But I don't I don't know that that was necessarily shown in this
0: episode. Well, what we saw with Gabriel and uh, Deanna son and some of those characters before we left, I feel like we're going to get a reversal of what happened this season where it's going to be like the people are going to give the original group their confidence back. Where this season was about Rick giving the people confidence. Cause I think they, the Hilltop people got okay, the other group that got introduced here um, what do they call the kings? The kingdom. The, the kingdom. I think they will play a part of that as well.
1: Yeah. Well I think we're going to see the only way to beat only way to defeat the saviors is for the other groups those three major groups the Alexandrians the kingdom and the Hilltop to join forces in a all all for one uh, right. you know a, a battle and they're going to have to form an alliance against the saviors.
0: Because we saw they need numbers. Yeah. That That's how to beat these guys. There's a heck of a lot of them. Because every road. Block, the group just got bigger, and it was crazy. And then, I mean, the granddaddy of it all, after all this went down, we got to see Jeffrey D. Morgan get his full Deegan glory. God, I mean, man, does he try to play it right? God's the ultimate evil in this universe. God, I've really never experienced a scene where the audience felt just as helpless and threatened as the characters on screen, through being at the mercy of Deegan, choosing which beloved character he was going to take away from us. I mean, we felt like we were there because we love these characters this much. It was just like, Deegan wasn't going to kill a part of the group. He was going to kill a part of us as well there was just nothing we could do about it it just was it was a crazy experience watching this scene God, really even rick i don't think felt safe to us based on the way this scene was shot God, that's saying something to just how brilliant it was done do you think this is one of the best introductions for a major villain you've seen on television does it say the best stuff for the show is yet to come given though it's in season six which is normally a point where tv shows feel like they should start to end
1: almost in a way this is the end of walking dead or starting to be the end of walking right. Dead. in my mind anyway it could probably go another couple of seasons and still be as good quality as it is right now and has been throughout but i i think once they've defeated the saviors and taken down everything you know and, and, right. and created this alliance with the other two the kingdom and the hilltop i think that's where the story ends i think that's where everything goes so yeah the this introduction of negan even though it's season six it's so good it was just absolutely everything that we really wanted to see and they did it brilliant i, I am surprised that this show continues to be this good weekend and week out at, at this late of stage
0: i think it's a, it's a product of the shortened season concept yeah that we've talked about yeah for sure i think not dealing with the 22 gives you better quality content
1: oh absolutely
0: that's a big part of it and again they're basic enough of a comic book so there's a lot of content there and the other thing is it just normally in season six you feel like the show could end it feels like it needs to end because there's more no material left to work with this show feels like getting rid of negan is going to be a big task so there's lots of material to work with and this show is not going to end with this feeling like oh it eat to end because they ran out of ideas it's more going to be linked be as they want to add because they want to go on top could be remembered as a really great television series which this is and i think will go out that way as well
1: yeah, you know, and I'm a little concerned about the premiere being not what we're expecting. Almost in the way that we've we're gonna be wanting to know who Negan took out, and they may jump back and show us everything from another point of view. So we may yeah. get caught up to that moment, and then they won't reveal it until either the very end of the premiere, or maybe not even in the premiere at all, or in the second episode. And I think people would be so frustrated with that. I, I think it would be a brilliant move, but
0: I think after the glitz and i don't think they could do that twice oh
1: they could but, but it, I, it may not work as well it may be yeah. people off more than it is
0: successful. i think i think the idea if you're gonna make them wait months to find out what major character got killed you have to do it in that episode I, I just think backlash it would be too difficult at this point because at least like when they killed glenn because we thought they killed glenn at least there were episodes to watch like the show was going on but you go without the show even told you around who's dies that's kind of rough yeah, yeah. I, I just think that that's gasping too much of your audience. Again, you could do it midway through the episode, or at the end of the episode, and you'll, they'll deal with the fallout from there. But I think in that episode, you have to give a definite answer. And, yeah, but again, they could come back and it could be a episode about Morgan and uh, Carol, what happened, what happened to them. Right. Got to introduce the kingdom.
1: Right, exactly. And that was what I was thinking, is we need to know who the kingdom are. I know who they are because I've, I've read some of that in the right. comic book. And you pretty much can't go anywhere around the internet and not hear about them if you're looking at theories for what's coming.
0: They, they kind of came after I got angry at the comic. So got a little more in the dark on them than other people if I remember right, I read Walking Dead way before this stuff even started, so I forgot some stuff. Oh, yeah. So, that's 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 the other thing. When I was reading comic book, it was when people didn't really know what it was. Yeah,
1: the Kingdom are a, a, a very good group to be an ally to the Alexandrians. They're very similar to the Hilltop, they're very similar to the Alexandrians, and the best part is they don't like the Saviors.
0: Well, they seem a little more tactically prepared. Right. Which, just based on that, that BMX armor they were wearing, good stuff like that. Yep. And again, I think that they're going to come through Get help and be a you We're gonna three-way team up between the Hilltop people and the the Kingsmen. Well, get the Kingsmen. Get the different thing. The kingdom can, and uh get the Alexandrians They're all gonna come together. Yep. Because they're all gonna do something about this. Because that's gonna be interesting. And I think they could even do something where we don't know the fate of the regular group for a couple episodes. Because it's up to Morgan and Carol and Gabriel and some of those characters to figure out. Okay, where are they? What's going on? And get answers. Yep. Eden could be a part of that as well. And I was a little nervous though talking about Carol that we were going to see her like commit suicide or something like, kind of like a post-traumatic stress kind of thing like soldiers went through God, I don't know if that's that. Uh, because likely I think that would have upset people but they really gave us that vibe that was going to go down and thankfully we got that scene where she kind of tried to commit suicide with that guy that was shooting her but then Morgan came in and saved the day and that was all good and God, we didn't have to worry about this so that that's a good thing but again with them being safe I feel like we're entering this world where it's kind of a whole lot scarier given that it was in the earlier seasons with these saviors almost beating away vicious walkers who can think and uh, strategize I know that's an interesting way to put it but it goes back to season season 4 right no season 5 where Rick was talking about how they were they're just before, just before they got to Alexandria and they fought kind of all hope was lost Rick said something around the lines of where's the walking dead that's what we are and that's what we've become yeah. and I think the saviors they're the walking dead they're they are the same as the walkers about the they're much more dangerous because they can think and strategize. Did you agree with that notion, Nico? and you think we're going to see Morgan and Carol when we come back Try to set up a relationship quit the kingdom?
1: Yeah, that's a great idea, Dan, that the saviors are essentially smart walkers. That's the right. threat they, they pose to this group. They are the ultimate evil in this world because they're as vicious as the walkers but have the brains of the living so they can strategize and, and do terrible things. So yeah, I like that analysis. Now, as for Carol and Morgan. I do believe that the kingdom are going to save Carol and are going to not really interrogate but investigate Morgan and Carol a little bit and find out that they have a group and realize that the two of them have the same enemy and are being terrorized by the saviors and that the only way going forward is to create this alliance and Morgan and Carol will also mention they need to bring in the hilltop people because the Alexandrians are responsible for keeping them safe as well. So in that sense I think it's going to be perfect opportunity and Carol and Morgan be in the perfect position to start brokering a deal or start building that alliance between the kingdom and the Alexandrians and ultimately the hilltop people as well.
0: And then Morgan's a good person to do that job, I think. Oh, he might
1: be the best that there is.
0: Yeah, I think him there, because he's, he's not one to fight anybody. He doesn't want any trouble. I think he gives he, the example of someone that's not going to freak them out but again it is the kingdom can they drink it Morgan's Kool-Aid when it comes to killing people
1: I think they have a, a similar idea to what Deanna had, where okay. they, they want to give people the benefit of the doubt. They need to increase their numbers. So the best way to do that is to investigate people and, and figure out if they're a good fit for their group before they bring them in. So I, I think they are definitely not a kill first society, but right. they also know how to keep themselves safe and right. how not to bring the wrong people in.
0: Can I feel like Morgan conducted that philosophy of this episode? Yeah,
1: I mean, he had to kill that guy yeah. who's gonna kill Carol. So
0: and he gave him a chance too. Yeah
1: he did. He did. And that's Morgan's thing. Is he's he always tries to give the person as many chances as they can. And then he showed in this episode that if if he gives them the chance, but ultimately someone else's life is in danger, he's gonna he he will act and he will save a person's life. He won't let somebody die just not to kill someone. But he might not do the same if it's just him. You know he would rather you know if it's you or Morgan he might like not necessarily kill the person. Just because it's a threat against himself, but because he's Carol, yeah, yeah, he definitely did.
0: But then he, then when Morgan met him way back in that episode, did he say that he would kill Morgan if he attacked him?
1: He said, I don't want to kill you. And if you
0: force me, I, ha- I, will. I
1: don't have to because Morgan was so feral, he wasn't thinking, so Eastman could always get the upper hand. Right. But yeah, I think ultimately Eastman would have killed him if, if if he felt his life was threatened.
0: Yeah. So I think that fit. I think that was the best in, uh, resolution to that scenario. Sure. He kind of did the Superman thing. Great talk, tried to talk him down. The villain wouldn't listen, and he wouldn't stop the bad guy. Yep. Kind of got in this room. It's kind of how you do it. You shoot them. So, with us knowing that Carol and Morgan are for sure safe, my well, guess because that even though they did a really good job of scaring as it was going to be glad which we thought they would do I knew that was coming because yep. that's just what they did in the comics I think Carl was killed because I know that's way outside the box than what a lot of other people are saying but it's just based on what Negan said about having one eye and some other stuff when he dealt the death blow but it's also very well could have been something he would say to Rick about Carl while he was killing Rick I honestly God, hope that it's not Carl because I don't want to go through another three seasons of Rick trying to find his way back from crazy town. And I always saw Carl, and this goes back to that scene where, way back in season two, where Rick talks to Carl about growing up in this world, that they're, they're standing in, uh, in Herschel's barn having this conversation. Because when they had that conversation, I always saw Carl as a character kind of continuing the fight Could possibly be the founder of a restored society within post apocalyptic world if Robert Kirk would ever decide to kill Rick off. Before it got to the point where Rick was too old to lead, Carl as his son because a younger, stronger leader could kind of take take over for him could take care of his dad if they time jumped or the comic was around for that long although it's entirely possible that my predictions could be totally off. so what are you thinking at this point nico where are you at
1: so my only reason for saying that i don't believe it was daryl or glenn was the okay. angle of the camera i agree with the way that the group was set up it was almost like in an l formation yes. and daryl and michonne and glenn were on the
0: um, right hand side weren't they
1: well negan's left Okay.
0: Yeah. Negan's
1: Negan's left and and the RV was sort of perpendicular to them and parallel to Rick and the rest of the group. And we end up seeing Negan with the RV in the background and so because of that when he comes in to do the death blow, I predict that it's going to be one of the group that were with Maggie trying to save her and not Glenn or Daryl. Now Michonne was on the the corner of that so it could still be her but again I, I think that's less likely yeah I, I think more than likely it's one of the two that you said it's either rick or
0: it's carl again i also think they would give Michonne a little bit more of a performance to the episode because she didn't even barely say anything to the episode
1: right and the reason that carl seems like the biggest opportunity
0: because he was on that side
1: well also because he was in his scenes with enid earlier in the episode it was about him wanting to go out and seek out the saviors and right. trying to keep enid safe by not letting her go but her saying what if you don't come back and that made me think you know something's gonna happen to Carl and so maybe it maybe it is Carl but it could just as easily be Rick.
0: Now I saw something on the internet when I was looking up pictures of Negan to do the blog post that Carl gets killed by Negan in the comics.
1: I don't remember I mean in the comics Carl does get killed but I don't remember I don't remember.
0: Just 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 throwing that out there. But it did feel like when they were in the woods just before they got cut out and Rick kind of said son and gave him kind of one last piece of advice, that felt like a, girl's like Uncle Ben telling Peter Parker, great power comes great responsibility Moment, And then, because that was their last conversation, could he dies. So that's why I felt like, okay, one of them is going to die. Going the mentor route, I would think, quick, but this show doesn't play by those rules. I don't apply to the, the tropes I know to this or Game of Thrones. So right. that's my thought. But I, I, I definitely agree with you. Got the three characters you mentioned. Maybe they just uh, take a baseball bat to Flash we There's nothing to worry about. Huh, right. And I, and I have to say with the scene, they did a good job of shooting it. Get away where everybody faced the bat. So it really could be anybody. And with that, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go into listener feed. Again, we're going to read some of our friends' thoughts on the episodes. Good, then we're going to get into people's predictions on who they thought got killed best at the end of the episode. Again, we'll respond with what we think, if their theory works in every regard or not. So let's go into the listener feedback. Again, we'll just kind of, if there's anything more we want to say about how a person survived or how they were killed, we'll get into it.
1: So a friend of the podcast, Mark Schreiner, started a pool for us where we could make bets on who we thought was going to die in the episode before it started, and that kind of I went up in smoke based on the way this episode ended so i guess we will announce the winner the pool when we resume our discussions of the walking dead in the fall but here are some thoughts on the episode from listeners who have done a great job of sending us feedback all season long brandon mickle said although jeffrey dean morgan is a great actor and did a great job i prefer the comic version of negan in the comic book negan is taller and stockier than jeffrey dean morgan this is just a fact however any actor can overcome this with their on-screen presence however amc is hamstrung with the use of profanity and the negan character uses profanity abundantly in the comics. It's almost humorous the amount he uses. So in my opinion, the use of profanity reassures the audience that the character is evil and lacks a certain level of refinement. Knowing this of the comic book character left the on-screen version lacking to me. Not knowing who Negan killed was quite a letdown. There was a lot of yelling at my house. It seemed to be a cop-out, a porn scene without the money shot. Right when I was about 95% sure that Eugene was going to die, why else would he give the recipe to make bullets to Rick? He wasn't going to be around to do it himself. A little frustrating. I loved that the kingdom was revealed and helped Morgan and Carol. That was a plus. Mark Schreiner said, My summary of The Walking Dead in two sentences. Anyone who didn't watch, don't tell me who gets killed. Anyone who watched, don't worry, I can't. I will say it was one of the greatest character intros ever, but I'm a huge Jeffrey Dean Morgan fan. That being said, Negan is goddamn stylish for a zombie apocalypse survivor. As for guesses about who might have died following the episode, Colin Hendershot said there were heavy aesthetic implications that it was Daryl, first person POV, and blood on the camera last two episodes. Elodie Barnes, I think it may be Maggie, Lindley St. John, and Brandon Mickle. Really, anyone there is fair game, but the Walking Dead style is to kill the one who just gets into their own, and that seems to be eugene leaving the season like this was very lackluster for me yeah i actually was not as upset as i think everybody else was sure i mean i wanted to know who it was but i think this is a good move for the show as i said i think it's going to keep the show moving yeah. and progressing forward and be good for the show so in that sense i'm okay with them doing this i don't have a problem with it i know a lot of people were disappointed but i was not
0: i think that's the emotional reaction emotionally i was like oh crap i want to know yeah but as a fan of the show i was like well that's really smart because it's really gonna help with marketing and it's going to keep it going. Can I want more? And it's making me, it made me want to have more.
1: Oh yeah, I was definitely mad in the moment, for sure. But uh, after I calmed down a, a moment and realized, oh, this, yeah, this is a good writing. This is a great move for the show.
0: This, this is good TV. That's what it is. These are people that know how to do their job. So I, and again, I think a lot of it was knee-jerk, emotional reaction was me. But from, from a, a technical writing, TV production standpoint, it was a great idea. Again, some of these ideas, I don't know, a lot of people, like the, the Daryl thing, I, I don't know about that one. Give me going to kill just I said. Kind of what you said. I think there's going to be a lot of analysis kind of the scene. I didn't have time to watch Talking Dead but did Hardwick do like a slow motion like look at the scene or did they lay it out to try to like guess who they thought got killed? I didn't
1: actually see it either this week.
0: Because like I see him like Chris Hardwick with like a whiteboard like drawing out the, the line of characters and, like trying to line up who got killed like he's making some kind of play for the basketball game tonight the NCAA championship just to figure this out and I'm sure some crazy person got kind of the internet No, it's not going to be us. It's going to do that sort of thing. Right. So with that, I think we're going to wrap up our discussion. But I do want to take the time to thank friends of mine and other people who got on board for the thoughts and feedback they shared with our podcast all season long. We're kind of begging people a lot of the time to send us stuff. And with Walking Dead, people have just been really great with what they've sent us and given us ideas and could really help me put the script together. So I just want to thank everyone for that. And I hope that you guys continue supporting us and giving us feedback when Walking Dead returns in the fall. And I know a lot of you that sent us feedback on Quacky Dead are big Game of Thrones fans. So I would recommend all of you to continue sharing this stuff on our Thrones cast podcast as well, which will be coming on and hopefully will help some of you called you over for Retail Walking Dead Returns. And also, we've got Fear the Walking Dead. So if you guys want to give us feedback for that, again you want to keep the Quacky Dead discussion going with us, feel free to send us feedback on the season premiere and subsequent episodes of that show too. So thanks everybody for joining us all season and we can't wait to get back to discussing Walking Dead Good the fall. There's some great stuff to come. Alright, so with that, we're going to dive right into talking about a really dark and sinister and frightening episode that was probably just about as shocking as The Walking Dead that left us with a major character death, a possible character death. Again, it's hard to tell if a character dies on a cartoon show because they don't want to do certain things to scare the kidneys, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's talk about the Star Wars Rebels episode that was absolutely fabulous, entitled Twilight of the Apprentice.
1: Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka gain information about the Sith and battle the Inquisitors with the help of a new ally, but when Vader arrives, they quickly find themselves overmatched.
0: I told you they we were going to get some kind of reference to Episode 7 that may preview future movies to this episode. That came with a lightsaber, Guzra found, that looked an awful lot like the one belonging to belonging to Kylo Ren. That makes me wonder if the Knights of Red could possibly be a reference to the survivors of the battle between the Jedi and the Sith, where there was no victor, or the actual knights, or it's possible that you know, this could be a reference to the actual knights who fought in that battle led by Snoke. Either way, I think the questions we have regarding the new trilogy has to do with the ancient credits from the war between the Sith and the Jedi. because do you agree with my opinion? And What do you think about some of my theories? Because with this episode referencing the battle between the Sith and Jedi, you were talking about a previous episode where they're just really wanting a winner.
1: You know, so then the only real misstep of the entire episode 7 film was that I felt J.J. didn't give us enough information about the Knights of Ren. And I figured that was probably because they were going going to be a big part of episode 8 and thus they wanted to keep us guessing and theorizing about them to keep us interested in all the books and stuff coming out in the time between now and then. For instance in the book Aftermath there were a number of groups who arose out of the ashes of the Empire. One was what eventually became the First Order and the other made up of people who were obsessed with Vader called the Acolytes of the Beyond. They were described as fanatics of the dark side. The Acolytes are a cult obsessed with Darth Vader. Their hideout even bears the graffiti tag Vader Lives. They are desperately trying to find Vader's lightsaber throughout the entire book, which was lost after the battle with Luke in Return of the Jedi. And just to clarify, that's not the legendary Skywalker saber which Rey finds in The Force Awakens.
0: It's a big one.
1: It's Yeah, it's it's the one from actual Return of the Jedi. And in the Aftermath book, there is a chapter that deals with three of these acolytes in dark robes meeting with a junk dealer to buy a lightsaber unknown if it's actually Vader's or not with the intent of destroying it to send it back to him in death. Some have hypothesized that the Knights of Ren evolved out of these acolytes of the beyond. Others think that the Knights of Ren are an order of fallen Jedi that did not become Sith. Others have said that Ben Solo created the Knights of Ren in the time after he fell from the light. Any way you look at it, it seems that Kylo Ren became the leader because of his lineage to Vader, and probably as his advanced skills learned from Luke. So my guess is that the Knights of Ren, who J.J. himself insists are not Sith, or remnants of the Sith, are actually Dark Force fanatics that are devoted to Darth Vader, and Supreme Leader Snoke, who I actually propose is a Sith, potentially even Dark Sidious's original master, Darth Plagius, reborn. I think he is using the Knights of Ren's fanaticism for his own purposes. So much like the Inquisitors and Rebels, where they are not full Sith, or even called Sith, the Knights of Ren are separate from the Sith. Though I do believe that Kylo Ren will become a Sith apprentice to Snoke now that he has killed his father. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Star Wars by now, I mean, why are you even listening to this? But anyway, probably that was his final step towards the dark side needed to be a full Sith, and not just a dark side force wielder. Also, Dave Fellini said that, that cross guards lightsaber that Ezra finds was just a one shot nod to The Force Awakens and isn't anything specific. It was just a fun way to say, hey, look, we all love Star Wars.
0: That, that's an easy way to get out of that answer to that question, if possible. Because they've faked this out before. We know that with Ahsoka. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's possible. But it, it's interesting to think of a lot of that stuff. I'm kind of wondering if this idea of the connected to Ren or, or Sith or Jedi, I'm wondering if it was people, or maybe it's a reference to people who fought in that battle, between the Jedi the Sith, that we saw the aftermath of this episode, deciding what the heck are we fighting for? We're not going to go with either side anymore.
1: I just don't think the Knights of Ren existed that long, because that
0: battle... Right. Well, I'm that's... wondering if it's like like a reference back to that story. Oh,
1: maybe, maybe. Maybe they had learned from the history of the battles between the, the Jedi and the Sith, and they didn't want to be any part of either organization. And in that sense, I could, I could definitely agree. But this battle that we saw the remnants of in this episode of Rebels was probably a thousand years before right. Ezra and Kanan showed up there.
0: Because there's a the whole idea of the, the Chosen One bringing the balance of the Force and again a lot of people believe that was Anakin that he was indeed again with these new episodes added in gets more of the Skywalker bloodline because he's going to bring balance of the Force and i wondered if Kylo Ren was deluded in the way to believe that to become the ultimate Jedi or bring balance to the Force, one had to become neither Sith nor Jedi.
1: Well I've told you my theory on the idea that the Jedi actually misunderstood the prophecy of the Chosen One. In yes. a sense if you look at it, the Chosen One did bring balance to the to the force because he essentially killed all of the Jedi except for two main Jedi and that would be Obi-Wan and Yoda and created two Sith two Jedi so in a grand scheme of things he did bring balance to the force there were only two of each and so if you look at it that way it it made sense that the only way that the Sith could return and rule the galaxy was to bring balance to the force meaning equal numbers now of course Which that's not makes- the way the Jedi understood that but I right. think the Jedi might have misunderstood the prophecy that of course and it also makes sense why Yoda was so hesitant to even if he knew that Anakin was the the chosen one why he was hesitant to even allow him
0: to be trained regardless yeah because he had an idea that goes away maybe that's what Kylo Ren was thinking he was thinking okay I need to bring balance to the force and he took the chosen one prophecy in the way that you said the correct way and he basically got all the other Jedi that Luke was trading leaving it so gray and Luke were left and he and Snoke were left right and that's balance to the force so maybe that's why he did what he did right he, he went, he kind of fell for Snoke's plans because they got him to believe that this is how you balance the force. It's not defeating the old medieval.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping in episode 8 and 9 we actually get some answers to those questions.
0: Go ahead, I'm positive we will. I'm positive we will. I just think it was setting up questions in that movie to create a tree to get everyone very excited. coming up with theories that like got Star Wars fans. Tend to like to do. Right. And it's fun doing that again because episode 1, there was some speculation, but now we're going a whole new frontier. where we don't know land point? It's kind of fun predicting Star Wars. We haven't seen yet Can I guess I was sorely mistaken when I said Darth Maul was killed when he last appeared on the Clone Wars animated series apparently he was captured by the Emperor at the end of that episode and there is a series of comic books called Star Wars Darth Maul Son of Dathomare which is based on a Clone Wars script that didn't get the chance to be made into an episode which explains how we lost his group known as the Shadow Collective got ended up alive and well in this episode who we originally thought his appearance was just going to be a hologram Nico were you shocked to see Darth Maul show up in his full glory in this episode? gonna become probably a re villain for season three. Well, Dan, I mentioned
1: last week that I had heard that Darth Maul was returning for this finale, but wasn't sure if it was going to be a vision or stored memory of Maul or him actually being there. I think it needed to be him actually there, though, to have the full impact, and especially with him attempting to steal Ezra as his apprentice. That only works if Maul and Ezra actually interact and not just a vision or memory of Maul tempting Ezra. So, yeah, I think it absolutely needed to be this way. I guess I was a little surprised because I didn't know what ended up happening to Darth Darth Maul after he had his encounter against the Emperor in the last episode that I remember him in.
0: Yeah, basically he was captured, tortured, escaped, went after the Emperor with the Shadow Collective, the Emperor who was Darth City as some time, along with Count Dooku, Cad General Grievous, wiped out the Shadow Collective. Okay. And then it was unknown what happened to Darth Maul after that until the end of this until this episode. Okay. He's basically shown basically getting or launched out into space, much like Vader was dealt with at the end of a new Hope. So it's possible that ship crashed, crash landed at on where we saw him in this episode. Now, with Darth Maul in this episode, it was interesting to see. He was kind of old and crotchety, but he slowly, slowly got back to his old self as the episode went on. And Darth Maul's old self has really been a fan favorite because he just looked cool, and had amazing, and had an amazing acrobatic fighting ability. But it's amazing how a character that barely had any lines in episode one, The Final Menace, was portrayed as such a master wordsmith, and mind manipulator to tempt Ezra, who we knew to be pretty street smart. Darth Maul had been fighting before, but this older, wiser version is just completely four because he is now extremely formidable in mind and body. However, the wild thing about the way he was written in this episode? Because that you knew this guy who took away the people Kobe and Kenobi loved and Ezra was eventually going to get screwed over. But I think the voice actor did a brilliant job of making part of us really want to trust Darth Maul. Could I even call myself cheering him on when he briefly teamed up with Kanan and Ahsoka to battle the Inquisitors? you go, do you think older version of Darth Maul is more menacing than what he was during the Cold Wars era because of the mind games he's able to play? Did you also find yourself falling for his charm? where the voice actor always made you sympathize with his story.
1: Yeah, Dan, that is the power of the Sith, their master manipulators. This older version of Maul, a Sith strong, powerful, and smart enough to be a Sith master looking for an apprentice, was entirely more menacing and scary, and was so well done in this episode that I found myself wondering if they were going to make Maul a loose ally to the team going That's forward. Too. But with his attempted turning of Ezra and stealing him as an apprentice, I see Maul being a foil in the dark side to Ezra and Kanan next season. Especially with them killing a bunch of the Inquisitors in this episode, it'll probably make Maul the equivalent threat to Kanan and Ezra that the Inquisitors were this season and the first season. At first, I thought that Maul died in that encounter with Kanan when he was thrown off the pyramid, but then seeing him in the TIE bomber leaving the planet means he obviously survived and will be back to terrorize the team next season. And I think that's a good move, because I, like I said, I think he's going to be the equivalent to a dark side foil to Ezra and Kanan in the next season.
0: And then again, we'll have Thrawn as the, the Empire aspect. Oh yeah, for sure. Which would be funny. It'd be interesting if Thrawn gets his high position because a Grand Admiral, because he took out Maul. God got rid of the thorn of the upper side.
1: That's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about them going head-to-head.
0: Yeah, that that that's what happens. Again, I think we all want to see Vader fight Darth Maul. I think that's what we all want to see. Again, that could happen, too.
1: Yeah, I'm not actually sure that that's going to happen.
0: It would be awesome.
1: It would be awesome, but I don't actually know if we will see that. Because I, I I just don't know if that fits in the continuity of Vader's story.
0: Well, the, the Emperor fought him.
1: Right, but that makes sense because he was the Emperor's apprentice. Right, right.
0: I don't know. I feel like that, that maybe could work as they hit that. Maybe there's still some good inside of Vader. Just throwing it out there. Now, last week, we had both had a bad feeling about the outcome to this episode. Believing it was going to end on a somber or tragic note. And why did that happen? But I had no idea it was going to include Kaden being blinded by Darth Maul. We all know that getting his hand cut off was a major setback on Luke's training. But when it comes to Ezra's training, being responsible for another person being crippled is going to be extremely difficult to overcome. Because I feel facing the guilt of being responsible for hurting someone you love and care for is more difficult than facing the temptation of the dark side. And we're just left hurting emotionally with all this goes to the scene where Hera said goodbye to Kanan because that may very well have been the last time he got to see the that he loves with his own eyes. Luckily there is hope that maybe Kanan gets ocular implants like Jory at Star Trek because if they could give people robotic limbs in the Star Wars universe, they could probably give people eyes. Niko, what's your thought on this possibility? Was Kanan being blinded completely heart-wrenching to you because of its impact on the Ghost crew, especially Hera?
1: Yeah, Ezra being at least partially responsible for Kanan's blinding by convincing Kanan and Ahsoka to trust Maul, it will eat at Ezra and I think is partially responsible for him being so angry at the end of the episode, along with believing that he was responsible for Ahsoka's apparent death. As for Kanan being blinded, I don't think it will last long, as I imagine he will either have actual ocular implants or maybe even a visor or some sort of aspect that will allow him to see next season, because I don't think they want to hamper him so much that he has to become Right. fully reliant on the force to see i think that's cool that he was able to do that and still defeat maul in this episode but i think they're going to give him some sort of you know eye implants or some sort of visor
0: cyclops Jedi. yeah exactly yeah it's gonna be cool i think whatever they do yeah exactly i think it's gonna be really cool looking next season it's gonna be interesting who built it because it's a ezra thing or if it's a to speed combination that's gonna be an interesting thing
1: I don't know if it's going to be anybody on the team. I think it's going to be more about probably somebody in the medical or one of the people we've met that
0: is more tech savvy. Yes. The other major blow we got in this episode was the possible death of Ahsoka. Cause if this is the end for a character, I'm glad we got to see a final goodbye with Rex. Cause then she took Vader down with of an impressive blow to wrap up one of the best fight scenes I've seen with the Star Wars universe's greatest got That image, of Vader coming down, standing on top of the TIE fighter, that was awesome. That was an amazing visual. Just something that you know we didn't get to think we would get to see with Vader. We didn't think we'd get more of Vader, and it's fun to see some of the images they come up with. It's kind of like they're giving us our wish list of profound. Vader images. Because Some of this might have been taken from some of the original artwork that Lucas had done when pitching Star Wars. So I'm, inter- I'm interested to know some of that came from that or ideas that they had that they just couldn't do. It was also awesome that the animators came up with the idea to cut open Darth Vader's mask get allow us to actually hear Gennigan's voice before we went into the final leg of their epic story. Then again, I had some questions about this. Like, did Ahsoka actually die? Because her death wasn't as clear-cut as Darth Maul killing the Inquisitors. And if she did die, was it at the hand of Vader? Or did she sacrifice her to save her former master from the explosion because she said she wasn't going to leave him again. Also, did Yoda send Cain and Ezra and Ahsoka to this Sith, Sith Temple even though he knew all these terrible things were going to happen because he knew Darth Vader had to go through this situation to fuel his decision to kill the Emperor at of uh, return of the Jedi? What do you think about this, Nico? And are you disappointed that Ahsoka might have died without being reinstated as a Jedi? Yeah, my guess is that Ahsoka did
1: not actually die. It was left intentionally ambiguous at the end of the episode to keep us thinking of about it all off-season, but I don't think she actually de- died. I think if Ahsoka was going to die for real, I think they would have shown it or at least shown the result so we knew for sure she was dead. I like the idea that she survives survives this and maybe like I suggested last week, that she should die the next time she faces Vader and in that case, saving Ezra and Kanan. Although she did save them this week, so maybe this is the time that she dies. But I, I, I would have felt like we would have seen Ezra or Kanan feel it in the Force.
0: Yes, I, I agree.
1: I just don't know. But Dave Fellini said that we will get a definitive answer next season as to ahsoka's fate as for your yoda question i think yoda knew that they needed the information and knowledge that was available at the sith temple and that's why he sent them but he knew also that a confrontation with vader was a possibility but not a certain i doubt yoda would have sent these jedi and ahsoka on a mission if he knew for certain that it would end up with vader killing ahsoka or there being a more than likely possibility of that happening i don't think he would have i don't think he would have sacrificed her purely for this sith holocron. sure it was a possibility that they
0: they would fight Vader, but not a certain. Yeah, I think it was the, with with all of Yoda's visions he had. I think when he was on Megamind, kind of acting like a hermit, he saw lots of visions in the future. And I think all the visions, because he's he's just this is the kind of character he is, was something that he believed in, but took with a grain of salt. Right. Clearly this is a possibility, but it might not work out this way. And so that's what I think it was. It's kind of like, this may do it. I need to put the players in place just to see what happens, because that's all I can do. So it's kind of like, okay, I can send them to give them the information. gets up to the force on how it's going to play out. Okay. And I think that's the best way to say it, that he's not just sending, you know, sheep to the slaughter kind of thing. Right. It's more like, okay, I know they need to go there, but I don't know what's going to happen when they get there. Because that's like that with any situation. I mean, if in any kind of situation, when you're at war, you're, you could be as prepared as you want. but still, Parts of it's still a guessing game. I mean, it's ultimately being told, yeah, you're going to win the war, but you don't know who you're going to lose along the way right exactly and finally we know season 3 is going to be dark because that's what happens on most TV shows but my question is how will it be dark are we going to see more stories where Asperger is so angry about the events of this episode side everyone's going to be concerned about him turning to the dark side are we going to see him feeling guilty about his actions could doubting if his fight could make a difference against the Empire also for next season can I hope we can see a lightsaber battle between Darth Wall and Earth Vader because I know you don't see it, see it as likely but I'm still holding out hope Girls are also probably going to get more on Gage and Kallus's redemption which I think will be interesting thing, and we see. Give Grand Admiral Thrawn has a big part to play that story, and maybe him defecting. But I think we're also going to have some great teams with Hera, helping the ghost family, overcome the tragedy that is before them. especially if they think Kisoka died for a more couple episodes. And I'm also excited to see how Grand Admiral Thrawn will be picked back into the canon, and see the connection that this show is going to have, thanks to our news, quick deco report, um, with Star Wars Rogue One, getting us future films. And let's just throw it out The parents come Boba fight for the heck of it, because just who would love that? So, Nico, where do you think the show gets for season three. Are there particular things you would like to see?
1: concerned that Ezra used the dark side to open the Sith holocron at the end of the episode and his eyes went all evil red. That could mean he could be fully tempted by the dark side next season and we'll see him questioning his training, his commitment to the Jedi and other things but ultimately I think Kanan has trained him well enough that he will be able to overcome the temptation and reject the evil temptations of the dark side. Now another explanation is that he was angry and that allowed him to open the holocron but he won't actually use the dark side beyond just opening the holocron and they will use it to get the information they needed and this was just a fake out at the end of the episode to keep us thinking about it all
0: season or all off season because they've shown his anchor fuel a lot of his big force outbursts, right
1: exactly and it was okay when he was still a, a young apprentice not knowing better and that kanan could, could guide him away from that but as it as he grows as an apprentice those outbursts need to be much less and fewer and far between you know otherwise you gotta have to start thinking is he potentially going to fall to the dark side
0: and i think that's coming to resolve that issue i think that's coming okay but i think that's next season's theme.
1: as we get closer to the timeline of a new hope i think we are going to get more and more live action characters showing up in the series including characters from rogue one being at least mentioned and possibly even introduced in next season's early episodes leading up to the christmas release
0: of rogue one
1: we may also see classic characters like bubba fett and others from the criminal side of the universe as well and i actually really hope we do get some of that stuff because
0: there's some loose probably actors god cold wars that he get wrapped
1: up. oh for sure now again i'm going to mention for, for maul versus vader i don't actually see that happening i think if anything we could see a so against Vader again, but Maul vs. Vader doesn't make much sense for me. Sure, Maul against the Emperor, but he already failed at that, so I doubt they're going to rehash that.
0: Okay, so somebody needs to take down Maul. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. And maybe we'll see Kanan actually take him down for good this time, where we thought he had done it at the in the middle of this episode.
0: If Obi-Wan came back for an episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, because Maul is definitely an Obi-Wan villain.
0: Yes, exactly. So I wonder if that set that up. That that could even still get to a movie, if that uh, if that Obi-Wan movie could still on the table.
1: I think it is still on the table. I don't know what the, the plan is for that, but I really, oh god, I would love to see
0: that. Wouldn't that be awesome if it was Ray Park, back in Star Small, could even regret it's not Obi-Wan?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> that would be fun. If you could get me and Neeson, because it's a different director, to come back to do like a cameo or something, that would really be fun.
1: Yeah, and more than just a voice cameo.
0: Yes, exactly. I agree. So, there's lots of exciting Star Wars stuff. To look forward to within the next couple months, and I'm pretty sure I hope Rebels comes back with another summer movie to hold us off until the next season starts. Because that was really fun that summer. All right, we're gonna dive into the sitcom section, where our favorite characters had to deal with some comedic villains that was kind of their bane of their existence this week. So let's start out that discussion with you, girl. Can the episode Sam again? <laughs>
1: Jess's application for a job at a progressive new school may be jeopardized after she learns the principal is dating her ex-boyfriend. Meanwhile, Nick takes ill, so Schmidt quarantines the roommates to keep himself from getting sick before an important presentation. My very comedic moments from this week's new girl
0: was the gang's obsession with that weird puppet-muppet-like show. The flashback comparing Jess's old school to a new school, because the guy who plays her gold principal just cracks the up. Winston breaking out of quarantine. Quit the smooth moves he used to get his sunglasses, which I think should have been flip glasses. Got Nick getting punched in the throat by Sam again, but he was just trying to compliment the guy this time. Kika, what were your thoughts on this week's episode?
1: Yeah, Dan, I love that weird foreign children's program that only made sense if you were suffering from a 103 degree fever. And maybe it was because I was sick this week while watching it, but when that flying E was zooming around the screen, I couldn't help but laugh. It was in the teapot playhouse all along. So Dan, you want me to say another word that starts with B and ends with D? Beard. Why don't you just hit me in the nets like a normal person? Sam. Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. It was hilarious. I guess we're going to get a Sam arc. Apparently. Oh
1: really? I
0: did not heard that. Yeah, he takes out a restraining order against Jess after the party incident. Ha!
1: Awesome.
0: So that could be fun. So I think they got some potential to really play it to the big end. The puppet show, classic new girl randomness, and I loved it. Oh yeah. I mean, just really, this show goes back to form, and that's great. I'm very happy about that. Now, let's move on to good episode of The Big Bang Theory that was typing up the suicide Scott movie. Get some great characters over the show. My question about this episode is, were they the focus group that uh, inspired the? People making Suicide Squad to do those reshoots to make him remember more he was. I'm interested in seeing the cut that they saw. So let's talk about the Big Bang Theory episode the Solder Excursion Diversion.
1: all started with the Big Bang. Hey! Sheldon shocks Amy with a starting revelation after she buys him a new laptop. Meanwhile, Raj throws Leonard and Howard under the bus after they lie to their wives and sneak off to an early screening of a movie.
0: My favorite comedic romance from this week's Big Bang Theory surrounded Sheldon playing taps while having a brief funeral ceremony for his computer when he bought. Because it was a hilarious play, kind of the relationship I've had with my own computers, because I would be upset if someone took the deep emotional process of buying a new computer away from me. Could tell I found out that they got enough suggestion of the right guy at best buy. However, I don't think my ex with 4K resolution would center. Could be able to count okay, a person's nose hair just so, through Skype. So don't get your hopes up, Nico. Could I purchase a new computer? Then again, putting the fun line this episode delivered an interesting character analysis on Sheldon, because his storage locker full of stuff. And it was a nice moment when he revealed to Amy the only person who knew about the secret storage locker was her. Also, if you're gonna dish your buddy because you got to see a movie, collect the Suicide Squad before them. Make sure your wife or girlfriend is not in the room. Guess I'm talking to you, coward and nerd. So Nico, what were your thoughts on this fun episode? My favorite
1: moment from this episode was the text howard sent to raj telling him that they were seeing suicide squad and that he wanted to make him feel bad spoiler alert when i see you i'm going to spoil it and leonard's comment that he was a good friend and raj's response to wanting to rub his generals on their prototype I, I thought that was a great interchange
0: classic raj too oh yeah that is good stuff Got okay, coming out of the closet up is good yep even though cliche so uh, with that, we're gonna move into the closing for the week. And Nico's gonna share what's going on. Cut our next episode, I think the schedule's changing, so just listen closely. Can Nico I'll keep you up to date? Get everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, on our next episode, Dan and I will continue our reviews with an episode of Castle, along with Michael's review of Supernatural and Sleepy Hollow, and our sitcom section including Modern Family and Big Bang Theory. Also, DC Nation will continue with Arrow and DC Legends of Tomorrow, so make sure to rejoin us for the DC Nation podcast as well. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for Dan, Nikki, and Joshua doing the Marvelverse podcast and their coverage of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Keep an eye out for their two special episodes, one on Deadpool and a special episode on Daredevil Season 2 coming out soon. But for now, we're going to roll our pre-recorded closing.
0: Get out our Across the Airwaves podcast network website, acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's acrosstheairwaves.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows available as their own individual programs Get in the iTunes Store get Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows Keller our network, we have the DC Nation podcast located at dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's DC Nation at across the airways.com which reviews popular DC comics related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast located at marvelversepodcast across the airways.com Again, that's Marvelverse Podcast, across the airways.com which reviews Marvel comics related TV shows and movies. Again, we also have Thronescast a podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones which is available at the website thronescast across the airways.com Again, that's thronescast at the airways.com addition to These programs You can listen to The original Across the Airways Podcast Which is accessible At Acrosstheairways.com Which reviews TV shows Non-related to superheroes Core Game of Thrones Like The Walking Dead Doctor Who Star Wars Rebels Supernatural and more Including sitcoms Such as The Big Bang Theory And The Muppets Also you can listen to Across the Airways The DC Nation Podcast Thrones Cast The Game of Thrones Podcast And The Marvelverse Podcast And The Mixed Radio Station Code by Jack Stifles Stitcher Radio Or if you use Apple devices Download the podcast box App. if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Got the Windows Marketplace has a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Cause for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback, got the TV show's we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, Do you like what we're doing? Gmail us at acrosstheairways.gmail.com. across that's acrosstheairways.gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, got the waves. There's no thought in there, it's just across waves. Join our circle, got Google Plus, go leave us a voicemail by calling 773 809 3363. Go get it 773 809 3363. Call someone sending us an email. Please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get the subject line. Give you our sending us glistener feedback you want us to read. God the air. God would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies and television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel gives a great source for panels from past Comic Con. it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic Con taking place in san diego this summer to go along with our comic-con special all right so once right again for other family ata podcast hosts who need to get watching with their level vicky amy blue Kim, steve nostril joshua werecrank michael j Petty, guy i dan schmidt and i'm nico Rysak. can tell our next episode we'll catch you on the airwaves and hopefully we can bring light to the dark side see ya <gasps> to our regularly scheduled program.